Hello, everybody, and welcome to Sticky Jazz. I'm your host, Jeremy Hinks, the man of a million musical opinions. Mine always happen to be right. And uh, this week, we have the Hungarian dark wave band Blacknail Cabaret, and they have quite a story to tell. They're, uh, if you've never heard of them, big surprise, you will probably want to get into them by the end of the show. I'll be speaking with Emka, and I hope you enjoy that. We'll fire into some of their music right now. We'll be playing the uh, Star Sailor cover of Tell Me It's Not Over, and then we'll slide right into the conversation. Good day, and this is Jeremy Hinks of the Sticky Jazz Studios in Salt Lake City, Utah. And on the line, I have the amazing Emke from uh, Black Nail Cabaret, who happens to be hailing out of Budapest, Hungary. Good morning, Emke, or, or evening where you are. How are you? Good evening and good morning. Yes, <laughs> I'm very well. Thank you, and thanks for having me. 
So, uh, really quick, just for the record, please, because, again, I, I've had to, like, the, the, the bodybuilder Laszlo Fekete, I had to learn to, to spe- I had to take special classes to say his name properly, because uh, right. I, I don't speak Hungarian. Please, for the record, state your name properly. It's, I, I've just known you as Emka for the last, what, 12 years, but go ahead. What's your name? Well, that's, that's my nickname anyway, so feel free to use it. But my full name is slightly more complicated, and it is Emesha Arva Ilis. Okay. Well, there we go. <laughs> Emesha Arva Ilis. And that's really good. That's really good, actually. Yes, but we also know that English is not the language we've spoken to each other before. So we've done, we've done German. And yeah, but my German is very, very rusty and slow. So mostly you were speaking and I was like trying to reply. Oh, no, you did fine last time. We, well, when we spoke German there. But yeah, you, and then you went into Swedish and that was where I had to say, okay, I'm... Uh, no, oh, I was. I don't think I went into Swedish oh, that no, that deeply. That was that was probably her. Yeah. Yes. I, I mean, I don't speak Swedish fluently. I just speak like basic words and sentences, but not much. Okay. Well, so uh, this is Emka. She's the mastermind behind Blacknail Cabaret. That, as I referred to it as. The all chick dark wave band until something happened to, to change that. Um, Sophie departed, and you had uh, what? What happened there? Well, basically, um, Sophie wanted to do something else musically. She had that in mind for for some time when we split, and it was a very friendly thing. Um, we just had a discussion, and she explained what she wants to do, and I completely, you know, I was I was happy for for her to to uh, pursue whatever she wanted to do and she also explained that she wants to have family which she has now um, she has a young boy um, so basically that's what happened and it was a very straightforward choice to have Chris on the band because we were well just to correct that sentence that I'm the mastermind behind Black Nick Cabaret we're, there's actually another mastermind there as well which is Chris so basically, we were working on the songs together already. We were writing the songs together for years. So it was an obvious choice to have him on stage as well as, you know, in the background. Yes, but uh, what changed the from all chick to not all female dark wave band happened to be that, yes, Chris came in, but uh, he also ended up becoming your husband, as I recall. Is that correct? Oh, that was that was way before we became a band. Before you joined the band, <laughs> so he was he was already my partner. Um, yeah. Um, so basically, when we were doing the band with Sophie, we didn't really think of it as like a girl duo. So it wasn't really a conscious thing. Um, it was just about the music, and when she wasn't feeling comfortable doing the same music for any longer, then obviously, uh, I mean. If it's not honest, then you shouldn't force it. So um, she left the band and Chris was the obvious choice. I mean, I'm not saying that we didn't try to think of, you know, alternates, like a female alternate. And we were actually searching for like 24 hours. <laughs> and that was pretty much it. And then we just decided that, no, no, that's, that's the way to do it. Chris just should do it himself. Right, but he wasn't on Emerald City uh, in the beginning, right? Is uh, that was... He was involved very much. In, oh, he was? In, um, oh, okay. oh, yes, very much. Um, I mean, most of the songs were written by 
by me and and Sophie has written some of the songs uh, for Emerald City. But basically, the producer behind Emerald City is already Chris and his team. So that okay. was recorded in their studio. Oh, okay. This is how we actually met. Yeah, and and uh, my name is on that album. <laughs> actually, I say. I uh, I remember opening because you you had said well I I want to put your name on the credits and I thought that was a joke yeah. and then I opened the CD and there was my name on the credits <laughs> when I got it in the mail and I got it in the post so that was of course that was great um, so we were trying to we we just tried to include everybody who in any way contributed to the success of of that album and obviously you were the first person. I think <laughs> from the states who contacted us ever. Um, you were the first person from the states who interviewed us, so obviously we wanted to include your name in the special thanks part. Uh, and that was great. So here's the backstory, everybody. I was just looking at covers by the band The Levelers, and not The Levelers, some um, editors, and they had a song called Papillon, and I just thought. Yeah, I was just just scrolling through those on YouTube, and then there comes this Black Nail Cabaret. They did a really cool version of that song, and then I just started watching their other videos, and then I sent an email to the name in the contacts, going, "Who are you guys?" <laughs> and then Emka writes back and says, uh, "I said, well, where, who are you? Where are you? There's not much info about you." And then we were no one. <laughs> yeah, and, 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 then, and then you you, you sent me we, this we thing going. Said, well, we're actually uh, in this this project here. We're in uh, Hungary, and I'm like, wow, shit, you know. And and that was so cool. I was your instant uh, first American fan, and it was fabulous. And that was that was amazing because we didn't even have proper songs back then. We just uh, like the other first song we used it for sort of practicing together with the girls, and there were other two girls who were um, doing back backing vocals and, and playing the bass, you know. And we were trying to do like an a half acoustic set um, with covers, which we liked, and that's what we were working on. And this is what probably you saw on YouTube, which are no longer there. Yeah, so you took those were just yeah. Yeah. yeah, because those was just like rehearsals, like we were practicing and we didn't have any songs recorded back then so that was really back in the early days but there was also the video okay everybody you you should petition to have her put this one back up i don't know if she can legally the uh bdsm video of your cover of uh britney spears hit me baby <laughs> one more time when it's actually still and, on it is i couldn't find it but I, mean, I haven't looked for it in years but i remember when i saw that i was like um... oh my gosh these girls are, are hilarious Maybe on um, we. I mean, we deleted it uh, from from our channel, but someone downloaded it, and now it's. I I'm not sure if it's on YouTube, but it's maybe on another video viewing, uh, you know, site. Um, but I found it the other day, and it's still there. Well, in horrible in horrible quality, but still, it's there. <laughs> so. But so that was the that was one of the the kickers. The winners there. Um, I, I, had I think so umbrella. I think I think umbrella. Rihanna's umbrella was was the kicker, and it's still there. We left it there because it's just you know that was the first thing ever. Well, that one that, and the, uh, the the Star Sailor cover were also very good. I I mean my daughters like both of them. They um, right. I I like the Star Sailor cover to this day. I mean we don't play it live, but um, it's still on our YouTube channel, and I'm sort of 
like proud of it. It was, um, it was still like practicing what we can do, what's our sound, you know, we were still trying things, but um, that sort of turned out really well, considering our, you know, uh, abilities <laughs> back then. Back, well, the abilities, you, you guys were amazing musicians. You just were trying to figure, I mean, um, I remember like, going through Butterflies and Veronica, you know, all the early stuff was just really good, dark, trippy horror film stuff, which I was thoroughly enjoying, and uh, there was this really mysterious, again, to most Americans, even until now, all we really know about Hungarians is Kaiser Sose and Zsa Zsa Gabor. Um, and, so, and probably probably Bela Lugosi as well. But yeah, yeah, but yeah, well, only among the goth circles there, but or old school horror fans. But yeah, there was uh, wait, uh, Nico was Hungarian, wasn't she? Uh, who's I don't Nico think so. The Velvet Underground. Um, I don't think she was Hungarian. Oh, hang on a minute. I, I, I mean, I'm not sure. I I don't know, but I don't think she was Hungarian. I I, pro I probably would know. Uh, hold on, let me see that. Uh, well, I I remember hearing. I uh, just to make sure, but yeah, I'm a huge. She was the. Uh, no, she was born in Cologne, Germany. Never mind. All right. Right. Now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. The Andy Warhol, the the cult did that song. Hey, Nico. Just amazing. Mm. Anyway, no, but you and I have talked about that before as well. The the cult. Um, so you guys, even off to a rocky start of being nobodies, are now playing. Well, you now. Well, you were. And we're going to play the festival circuit. You were playing all these really cool festivals in Poland and in Austria and the, the Czech Eye. And I was like, I will see you live one of these days. And you t you did some work with Camouflage and with Division. Uh, those were some of the other bands you opened for. But uh, Yeah. Okay, so wait, let, let's just, just back to it. So you, Sophie, Veronica, not the one that you killed in the song, but... A different Veronica, because she spells it differently. Bass player. Yes, but Veronica said <laughs> yep. no. Emka didn't kill me. That was a that was a different Veronica. My name is spelled differently. I said okay, fine. Um, and you and Sophie started out as a performance art act. Yes. And you would kill Sophie three or four times a night at the goth clubs. <laughs> and uh, Sophie telling me this story was hilarious just because Sophie is a very funny... She She's like... That girl has no filter. She's hilarious. But um, when... So that was all pre-Emerald City. Then you did Emerald City, which I still listen to and have given bootleg copies to a lot of people, um, even though it's <laughs> up on SoundCloud now. And... Uh, uh, other streaming sites where musicians don't get paid near you. And I, you know, I've pushed you quite a bit. Even friends of mine have, have wanted to buy your stuff over the years, and they've bought it off of, you know, Bandcamp and wherever. So um, I, I, I'm i glad that that's working for you. But anyway, so backtrack. So you get to Emerald City, and then where does it go from there? From Emerald City? Yes. Um, well, basically, we did the first album. We are very proud of it that was a self-release we didn't have a label um, and then we moved to London with Chris right so that was uh, that was a difficult period and I wasn't sure whether we we're going to be able to continue um, there was some I think tension um, well not really tension but we didn't 
really know what to do with our different musical tastes. Um, but anyway, this is when uh, the opportunity to uh, open for Camouflage in Hungary came. And I was like, okay, we have to do this. <laughs> this is a big thing. And um, if we do nothing else, then at least let's do this. Yeah, so and we started to, to rehearsing. Everyone, to, to everybody out there, Camouflage are... Uh... Everyone likens them to Depeche Mode because of one song, The Great Commandment, but they're on their own. They're fantastic, and they are German, and uh, they're huge over in Europe, not so big in the States, but they, they do have a following here. So. And since since the 80s, so yes. they had some really big hits um, yes. in the 80s and 90s as well, so they're still going and rocking and rolling. So. Wait, I, I hate to interrupt. Just give me one second here, okay? So I'm just... just sure. All right. Came back, sorry, plumbing issue possibly came up. I had to check on that. So, um, okay, back to the interview. So, anyway, so there you were in London, and uh, go ahead. So, uh, basically, the the opportunity to open uh, for camouflage came in, and we instantly said yes. So we started rehearsing, and uh, it was an amazing thing. Uh, we really got along well with the guys and um, they were actually asking if we have any plans for um, for a tour in 2015 but obviously I mean we were not really planning anything so um, we didn't hear from them for like a year and then all of a sudden we got this message that they really want us to be on their German tour um, with Solar Fake and, and us opening for them for every German date they had so that meant I think uh, I think it was like 10 shows uh, anyway it was it was a huge opportunity and we didn't do um, a tour like a proper tour before when we we're constantly on the road so um, we said yes and before that we started working on a second album and the second album was almost out by the time we went on tour but we were making we made sure that we had the CDs ready at least so we could sell them and we introduced ourselves to so many new folks who haven't heard about us until that point so that was amazing and this is where Black Neo Cabaret really jumped to next level if I may say so oh yeah no um, well one of the things I I posted your name and one of your videos in a different group that I'm in on Facebook called Rebellious Jukebox where you play, where we, we all talk about the non-mainstream music and some guy in, in Austria actually said, I've seen them 11 times uh, <laughs> and so I guess that that was the tour because he's, <laughs> but that he, might have been <laughs> he said, I've seen them 11 times, they're fantastic and I'm like, well I know them and you're a bastard, you know, so um <laughs> Because I, I, you know, one of those things that on my bucket list would be to photograph you guys and to see you live would just be amazing. And um, I'll have to get over to a European tour if if ever happens again. Or when you come stateside, I'm your guy, you know. So. Um, yeah. Well, let's just hope that everything will get back to normal. Uh, yeah. Next we, year. <laughs> yeah, please. So, um, so you did your your ten shows with Marcus and the boys, and. Um, yeah. Uh, and what year was that? It was five years ago, 2015. Okay, because there was a 2013 show that they played at the Markthalle in Dresden, 
Um, I used to live in Dresden, right around the corner from that venue. Never saw it. Now, I never saw a gig there or anything, but um, Dresden's a beautiful city. That would have been one hell of a cool gig to see. But I've, I've never had the opportunity to see them every time I've been in Germany. Even when I lived there, they weren't touring, so... Um, I have a story. You had it I have a, Go ahead. I have a, I have a story from Dresden. Sure. Um, from that tour, actually, when we were uh, opening for Camouflage. I remember that, well, Dresden wasn't the best night we had on the tour. I think it, it was probably the lowest point, but the greatest lesson, because when we went on stage, I think there was like a, a technical issue that Sophie's MIDI wasn't thinking and she couldn't play some of the tunes. Anyway, um, the instance when I entered the stage, I wasn't even singing. It was just the first couple of beats of the first song. And the guy in the front row, like in the second row, wearing a camouflage t-shirt. So he was obli obviously there for the main act, not for us. Right. And he was showing a thumbs down before I even started singing. And <laughs> And that sort of put me off so much that uh, I just thought, okay, I'm going to drop the mic and I will walk off stage. Um, but then it just winded me up instead. So I got like really pissed and I was like, I'm going to do it just for you, <laughs> whoever you are. And I was singing so aggressively and I was showing like, you know, my um, fingers through my throat and things like that because it actually matched the lyrics that I was singing so I was really I, I went really aggressive and then he disappeared from the second row after the second song oh, so, so. so um, that was actually the um, wrath of alright <laughs> it turned out to be a good show but um, that was my I think my first experience being put off by someone um from the audience that is disrespectful uh -huh. so i think now i'm kind of used to it so i handle it better but then i it really threw me off <laughs> wow so how were how were camouflage live to, to steal your thunder there but how were they live i mean the the, the video i saw of the the mark hollis show they were uh, incredible but uh, you know and that was amazing they had like amazing uh, musicians with them and everyone was just so nice so um, the atmosphere was great and we got really friendly and and what they do on stage is just like super professional so it was it was amazing Wow! they work with some really amazing people well the, the drummer he doubles over in Depeche mode too right? yeah I know yeah yeah, yeah so uh, and also the, the guitarist they had um, uh, he's the guitarist from um, um, oh, I wanted to say it so quickly. It's a German band. They had a huge hit in the 90s. Uh, the song is called Lemon Tree. Fury in the Schlotterhaus. No, 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 no. Hold on. I have to find it. Okay. Lemon Tree song. Um, Fool's Garden. I don't know so them. So he's the... Okay. Don't, you don't know them? No. Hey, they were a huge hit in Europe okay. uh, back in the 90s. So so he's the guitarist of uh, Fool's Garden and he was with uh, with them on the tour and now I think he's um, he's basically in Marcus's new band which is called Mine okay I, I just um, you, do you remember Fury in the Slaughterhouse from Hanover no I'm afraid I don't uh, I don't think I know them guys up there. Uh, so they, they did uh, Radio Orchid was their uh, I'm like I was, when I used Lemon Tree I was like no Radio Orchid something like that but yeah it was Radio Orchid um those guys are amazing. You'll have to look them up, too. Um, they, right. they don't sound at all like their name. 
would it would would make you think you know will do yeah okay well actually i was i was interviewing i don't know there was this this woman here in america her name is josie cotton and she's crazy she does like she does music for cheesy horror films and all that right she's she's <laughs> uh, she's hilarious she did a an album called invasion of the b-girls which was about one of her favorite b-grade horror movies and anyway i was like where i said because uh, it was all full circle because they did a song based on one of the the movies that she did a song for and i said do you, do you know the band fury in this slaughterhouse she says no but i really like that name <laughs> You know? <laughs> yeah, that's a really cool name. So, but they don't sound at all like that. They, um, <laughs> you look up "Fury in the Slaughterhouse." Time to wonder, you uh, and everybody else listening. I will do that. That's a great number. Anyway, so um, camouflage and then division, who are also like they look really dark punk in your face, but they're not. What? Uh, how, how did you get linked up with those guys? That was actually before camouflage. Um, that was, I think our one of our first shows so we were not very much experienced on stage back then and we were asked to open for division and covenant i think like eight years ago in 2012 and uh this is how we got to meet them basically um and that was in hungary that was in budapest their hungarian gig yeah so um and because i love those guys too man like um but again, I'm I'm so into this. Like, I, I my tastes are so obscure that that's part of the reason why I have this show is I want to share the maybe the unheard of and maybe the stuff that people have heard but didn't get enough of an idea of. And that's where you know uh, that's the point of this podcast. And I I try and push your music any way that I can. Anyway, thank you. But you're I'm so, so grateful for your support. Oh yeah. <laughs> That, that one guy in America who's always listening to our stuff. Uh, then there's uh, your, your your concerts. All the videos and f- photos I've seen of it. You're so, your, your theatrics are over the top. Your your costumes and all of that. I've seen that evolve too. And I think that was really amazing how every, I'm like, wow, she's really living it up. Um talk about that do you have a, like a special stage persona or are you just like getting dressed up in really freaky beautiful clothing or <laughs> um it's really just me but amplified to a like i don't know five times ten times <laughs> um it's still me and i never really know what i am going to become when i go out there but i sort of have so i always have a certain sense of what a concert is going to be like Um, Because I have uh, an image of the stage and the people who are going to attend, especially if it's a festival, I know what kind of festival it's like. And I always know from the gut, sort of from the gut, what I'm going to wear, what type of persona matches the whole um, atmosphere of of the show. But it's not really a conscious thing. It's more like a gut feeling that, oh, I think... I think I feel like more manly now. I want to wear a suit or something like that. So, or, or I feel very feminine. I want to wear like a, a, a leather skirt and be very feminine in high heels. So it always, always depends on how I feel about a show beforehand, and I kind of just go into that direction with the flow. Okay, so every night it's something different then. 
usually yes it usually is um if it's a tour then slightly different because then for example with the camouflage tour or we were supposed to tour with covenant this uh this spring but it didn't happen so it was moved to next year so hopefully it will happen but i had planned three four different outfits um i sort of sort of have had an image of of the tour and now I kind of have a knowledge of what touring is like. So I picked a few things that I'm going to wear. So it would have been different every two or three nights. Okay. So, yeah, because you're you're with camouflage, you're, you're with, and then you have kind of the... the set. Yeah, I, I get that. Because it's, it's very different. Every set of new photos you put up, I'm like, wow, that's... That new outfit, the, that, that's a new pose, that's a whole new, I mean, you know, it's... <laughs> yeah, and that's, um, and also, also the place, the city, like, for example, this last gig we had, which was the last gig of the year, it's so so sad to say that, but it, it is, unfortunately, this one, which we had in the mountains in Hungary a couple of weeks ago, and I knew that it's going to be in the woods, basically, a couple um, of weeks ago. It was at the end of August. Oh, we wow. had you actually did a gig show. in the middle of all this shit? Yes, wow. we managed to do a gig. Wow. <laughs> Even with all those limitations that um, only 500 people could attend, but they actually made it really clever. So basically, I think um, there were no limitations at the entrance of the festival, but there was a limit uh, in the front of each stage. Okay. So they, they, everyone had an electronic wristband, so they had to kind of tick, you know, um, they had to touch in <laughs> oh, when right. they went into the front of the stage. So that was really clever. Yeah, um, I, I and saw like, someone do that in, uh, in, I saw them do that in Germany as well, actually. Yeah. yeah. So, okay, cool. So we actually managed to play a show, and it was, you could just felt the energies. Everyone was so hungry, well not hungry, basically starving to have something happening, you know, to go to see a band live because there was nothing for months, um, not even a party. And now this festival, and I didn't realize how much I was starving myself for that energy that the, the audience can give. Um, and it was just a blast. It was like an explosion. It was fantastic. Well, it sounds like it. Um... I guess you couldn't go back to your previous antics of the, the, the weird performance art and killing each other and stuff. You're probably uh, past that now. <laughs> but that, that just, again... Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but do, do you, well, do you still have the, the fetish erotica direction that you do, the, the androsexual stuff? Or what's, I mean... I think it's not as obvious as, as it has been, as it was um, like 10 years ago, especially with um, the theatrical act that we used to have mm -hmm. uh, that was more pronounced back then and now it's more like under the um, in between the lines you know it's like uh, it's more more hidden mm -hmm. but it's still there I think so because I, I felt like um, you're kind of like an Annie Lennox Is, oh wow yeah <laughs> um, that like but like you because you can switch back and forth with your your personas and your voice, you know, uh, like Annie was doing, and like Annie does actually. But you you were doing it that way, and crossing into the andro zones and going back and forth very fluidly with 
with both your persona, your dress, your your voice, and all that, which um, which was really cool. I, I loved that, and there was this like it, it like even your songs were different. Your videos would show you know one to the other, what you know a very different image, and. I was thinking, you know, and, and, and you just explained that. So much of that you do on stage, it changes from show to show. So um, I would I would be, you know, I'd need to see about five or six shows to get my fix, right? Five or six <laughs> shows in a row to say, okay, okay. I, I've gone off of MCA for a little bit um, just because it's, well, it's so varied. But I also, you know, uh, I'd, I'd want to hear every song that you've done, maybe several of them over and over again. So I'd, I'd have to really... You know, just go on tour with you there. Um, you see, this is where it's cool. This is where, for me, I say it's awesome being friends with your favorite bands. I can say that. This is this is one of those cases because um, I get to talk to you about it. <laughs> so, um, and we're so flattered to be one of your favorite bands. You know, that's oh, that's amazing. Well, I actually, so this was funny because when I met you in London right when we got to to just even if it was even though we were only you know for a half an hour and uh you you know you gave me the signed cds and the shirt and we just talked and got pictures and i put that up there like hey i'm i met a celebrity and you're like yeah right (laughs) you know yeah right (laughs) what a celebrity hey (laughs) but uh but my wife actually was was like I think it was just more that you were goggly eyed because you met Emka, this beautiful woman, and not that she was. I was like, no, it was probably both, but you know, um, she thought that was she. She thought it was more that I was just starry eyed because I was meeting the the beautiful Emka. But I was like, no, it's the fact that I've been a fan of this band like this for so long, and they're so obscure. Maybe I just worked it up in my head so much, but it was wonderful to meet you. It really that's, was. That's. That's so sweet to hear that. I'm so I'm so happy to hear these little backstories. <laughs> well, and, and remember my my kids. They always are. They they always be like, "What's your friend? The one with the really cool name?" I said, "Emka." Yeah, that's right. When we met Emka in London, you know. <laughs> so, they were sweet. They were really sweet. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I got the. Let's see. I've got. Uh, uh, harry me, bury me, kill me, slash me, all that. That was a great one. Um, <laughs> harry me, marry me, bury me, bite me. <laughs> That's just to be exact. That was the title. And the craziest cover photo. And I said, so who's grabbing your boobs on that cover? You said, oh, that was Chris. I'm like, okay. <laughs> no, that was actually, that wasn't my boobs. That was none of our boobs. That was <laughs> that was. That no, that was just uh, an image that our graphic designer created, basically. So it wasn't. We wish <laughs> if it was ours, but it wasn't. I, I was like, oh, I thought I remember asking you, like, whose boobs or whatever. Or who no, was oh, it okay. wasn't our boobs. So no. um, none of us. Everyone's like, ooh, I, I hope everyone's looking at these pictures of you and going, ooh, I gotta go get that record. But you know, I have another boob holding photo, but well, well that is me actually, and that is Chris holding my boobs. But um, yeah, that's, yeah, you can okay, actually so see that, our faces when he cut my hair. You know, when he shaved me. Yeah. Um, we did a photo when I was still covered in my own hair uh-huh. um, and half naked, and he just hold my breasts, and then we did a very intimate photo. And I think it's on. It's available on our social media. <laughs> well, there you, you go. Can see that. All right. Okay. <laughs> um, 
So uh, we got the we got this shirt, which I'll I'll explain where that thing keeps popping up later. Because um, that mm-hmm. is very funny where that shirt pops up. That shirt pops up all over the place now, and I I'm proud to be one of the dudes who has a black nail cabaret shirt, especially where it showed up. But um, so the next album. Uh, the one that uh, my buddy freaked out when I I played him your stuff and he ordered that he he bought it from me we we bought it from you online Um, the guy from that one yes with uh, DK Avenue was my fave off of that record Uh, talk about that album I mean the video for that was I mean the videos just for that alone were very dark very heavy but talk about some of the artistic stuff and the music yeah it was very it was wonderful but uh, talk about that stuff for a minute. Okay. Well, uh, yeah, it was it was indeed dark because um, I don't know. We were still living in London, and I think it was the peak when I started to figure out myself there. I mean, I had a hard time in the first one or two years in London. I couldn't really find myself in there. Um, and then after a couple of years, I managed to find the things I really like in London, and I I, I miss it greatly. But then um, it was a bit of a struggle at the beginning. And this is when most of the songs were written. So this is a bit dark when we're trying to figure out where to go. Um, and we were struggling with our own frustrations with, you know, having a you know, lack of friends, lack of communication with the ones at home, a mm-hmm. uh, lot of work, uh, very few hours of uh, and very very little energy to actually work on songs. So this is this was all put into that album, and this is what came up. <laughs> so well, okay. So explain what were you trying to? Two questions, double-edged sword here. What were you trying to uh, learn about yourself or discover? You said that you were trying to find yourself or, or whatever. What was that that you were looking for, mm. and what did you find? And second. Uh, how does DK Avenue play into any of this? Because that's just, you know. Anyway, go ahead. Okay. Yeah. So I think uh, the best example of a song that explains the main struggle we had is We Like to Suffer. And basically that song is about that no matter where you go, you will take your own tragedy with you. So it doesn't really matter where you are. You're going to create the same sort of situations and you're going to still struggle if you're prone to struggle. So you have to kind of overcome yourself no matter where you are. And it doesn't matter the place. It's just you that matters. So basically that was the struggle because I thought that I have to live up to certain expectations in London. But basically those are my own expectations and no one else's. So this is all the pressure that I put on myself um, and that presses me. So basically that was, that was the main struggle I've met in London that I had to overcome. And then DK Avenue was another interesting aspect because we were living in a tiny little place they call it studio flats in london i mean most people when i say studio flat especially in hungary they think that it's an actual studio no it's not oh, it's right. a studio yeah, flat yeah, no, yeah, no, I, I remember every... i remember doing what we did sunday morning skype calls there for quite a lot back then yeah right and then it's just a self-contained studio, basically with one single room, uh-huh. and the kitchen is in the room as well, and then there is a little bathroom, and basically that's it. So it's completely self-contained, but tiny. And we didn't really have space 
especially creative space for ourselves. So if Chris was working on a song, I couldn't do anything except like having headphones on um, because there was only one room to work in. So that was, you know, it was really tense, dense and tense <laughs> in both ways. So if it makes sense. So it, it, it was really tiny. So DK Avenue is about being um, pushed into just one tiny room with each other and trying to survive the heat, the tension, uh, the frictions that come from that, you know. So that's, that's sort of it. But you had those kiss pictures on the wall to enjoy. Which kiss pictures? <laughs> remember, you, remember you, you, so one of the times, uh, no, when we were Skyping, you had those pictures of Kiss up on the wall behind you. I was like, hey, far out, check this Kiss? Out. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I think maybe that was, just, no, there, I think it wasn't a picture, it was vinyl. Right, maybe. yeah, it was, yeah, sorry. I think vinyl, I got yeah. it at, uh, at a, uh, maybe not even on the sale, but it was just put down on the street, and I picked it up because it's a vinyl, you know, yeah. and I oh, yeah. I used it as, as sort of an ornament <laughs> into the room. So are you really a kiss fan? I saved fan or it. Not? Are you really a kiss <laughs> no, fan? No, I'm not. Okay. Sorry because, not. Um I mean I I don't dislike them, but I don't listen to them as a fan. Because your cousin, you know the one I'm talking about, Alicia, right? Your long lost cousin over here. Um she's a big kiss fan, so I you know, just be careful if you're you know <laughs> so, Right. Okay. So um which actually that plays into uh where where the where the shirt goes and all of that. Um so, uh, when Alicia, the director of the movie that we were in, the uh, City of Salt, I, I, yes. I, I got to remember that. Like, I was on an interview uh, a couple of weeks ago. I was talking, I said, yeah, I was in a movie. She's like, I said, yeah, shit, what was it called? And I couldn't remember. I was like, I couldn't remember what the, I was in the movie, you know. But, um, <laughs> but when we were just talking and, and we're going through the, through the story and then at the script, I was like, Oh man, there's like one scene here. Oh, this would be perfect. And then that was where I was like, "Look, Alicia, you got to get into this band." And that's when she was listening to your music and loved it. And then I and then said, "Well, can we use it?" But the whole point was we wanted to use all local bands, all local Utah yeah. bands. But she says, "This stuff is so good. I got to talk to her." And then I introduced you to and then only to find out, holy crap, you two are like brain cousins, you know, you might as well be related. And, uh, except she's a big Kiss fan, apparently, or not, but we'll, we'll move on from that point. And that was where... Where we're all human, we have our flaws. Yes, we have our flaws. <laughs> You're not saying which one of you has the fly there, are you? So, um, but she got really, she loved it, we talked to you, we asked if we could use it in the movie, and you said yes. And then she, we, we put it in there. But the funny part was, we decided, and you gave us permission. Now every scene in that movie, I'm wearing a T-shirt for a band, and each T-shirt is yep. an Easter egg. And so, the Easter egg there was I was wearing that shirt was because that was like you know, hey, we're pushing Black Nail Cabaret, right? And but I'm also we're also talking about you know this girl she had this deep dark under life that nobody knew about right and so that right. was that was the point of why I was wearing the black nail cabaret shirt because you know when I wore the the Jack Grisham T-shirt we're addressing bullying Jack Grisham and TSO well he did a song called Fuck You Tough Guy which is about bullies <laughs> you know which is about yep. bullying 
and we had the I had a New Order t-shirt which is about you know the the, the the suicides of Ian Curtis that was a point in the story you know every every t-shirt I had had the was was an easter egg to a point of what was going on in the story and then during the fetish branding torture scene the dude is wearing the black nail cabaret shirt I mean it just keeps the, that t-shirt popped up like three oh, times yeah, that was- like that three, was awesome. Yeah, pops up three <laughs> times in the movie along, and the music, your music was playing as he's walking down the street wearing your shirt. We're like, yes! You know, so um, that was, we had to do that. We're like, we are going to, we are going to play this up as much as we can about MK, man. We're going to put this in everybody's face and see who gets it. But apparently, you know, now that we've told everybody, maybe people will be looking for it because, you know, but yeah, so that shirt was worn. We had a great time with it, putting it in there. Um, and then when you saw the movie, I was actually surprised be- because uh, I said it was, my, wasn't our song playing. Oh, that it you, wasn't. That's right. No. Uh, yeah, that was another song. But yours was in somewhere in the movie, wasn't it? Um, I think it's it's in the um, I, maybe it's in one other scene, but I'm sure that it's in the intro. Well, it inspired. The, the intro. Right, but I of, think it was somewhere else the in movie. there. I, I, I've only watched the movie once. No, twice actually now. But um, you were pretty funny when I was like, well, yeah, because my character, I was playing this asshole that goes around pissing everybody off. And what did you say about that? When I said, well, what did you think of me going around pissing everybody off? What did you say about I think, that? I think it was absolutely normal. Considering, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, for me, it wasn't, um, you said that you were playing an asshole. I was like, for me, it's not an asshole. It's a totally normal guy. <laughs> You're like, that's Maybe just... I'm surrounded by assholes. <laughs> I don't know. But it's just, for me, it was just like being genuine to people and being honest and just speaking your mind. And I know a lot of people like that. So for me, it was just, you know. <laughs> well, I, right. But I was just being me. And uh, I was just saying rude things to everybody. And it wasn't rude. It was just like I think it was just honest. No. Oh no, I was I was trying to be rude. I that was straightforward. <laughs> for me, it was more like straightforward. Or maybe I'm rude. <laughs> Who knows? But well, there there was the the like the, the the final scene we actually shot. It was the first one we shot actually. No, it was the second one we shot. But it was this, the one we shot of the the same day when I went in and, and argued with the lawyer wearing your T-shirt, and we shot the other one later that day. But when. I said to the to, to my my partner, I said, "Wait, why are you going to call this guy?" And she said, "Because I have tact, <laughs> you know." So that was that was the whole joke was that I I had no filter and was going to be mean to or rude to everybody all through the film. But right. when you said, "I thought you were just normal," I was like, "Wow." It didn't um, come across as very rude uh, to okay. me. Okay. So. <laughs> so okay now. Um, I'm going to stop and play DK Avenue right now. Cool. Yeah. 
sun is shining on both sides You know you cannot win There's no shade, just hot light This is how we go No matter what we do We fly against the wind
Okay, welcome back, everybody. That was uh, DK Avenue. And that was the one where... Is that the one, the video where you guys painted over your faces for that one? For DK Avenue? You, I, no, that actually doesn't have a video. Okay, so which which video did you paint over your faces? Because that was really trippy, too. Paint over our faces? Yeah, I remember when you, 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 you spray-painted your eyes, you painted the masks on. You spray-painted the masks right. on. Right! Yeah. That is actually... That is already from, uh, from the the next album from that okay um that is bet noir bet noir see yeah. I, I don't pay attention to it. i just have it all on shuffle now so i'm not really paying attention other <laughs> than other than like diamond dogs and all of that off emerald city i'm like oh yeah we're back in emerald city territory um <laughs> but i just have it all sitting there in shuffle so i don't know what albums any of these that are is on, on anymore. i just have that is on there. on pseudopop pseudopop yes okay yeah. um so, uh, I, and I'm hoping everyone goes and, and digs into the crazy awesomeness of the, the music here. Uh, let's go back to my fave song ever, and that would be Hero, because I know the backstory, but I need you to tell it, because you tell it better than me. But I love the line, makes me tremble like a lamb of God. And I'm not right. talking about the, the death metal band Lamb of God, who are also very good, but... Let's talk about the backstory of that song because I was like, "Ooh!" When you explained that, I thought that's really interesting. Go ahead. I wrote those lyrics on the twenty seventh of September, two thousand and ten. I know the exact date because it, it's just it's just stuck with me. Um, and actually, that was a, a poem for Chris when I realized that I first had feelings towards him. And um, I did the demo of the song in, like straight away after writing the lyrics. So that was, it just happened all so quickly. And then I showed the demo to Chris and um, I didn't really say anything because uh, we were not together and we were both in relationships which were like, my relationship was just literally just about to end and, and he wasn't going well either. So um, I didn't, I tried to hide my feelings, but I showed him the song because we were working together. And he was listening quietly, and he really liked it. And I felt that he's getting what I'm, what I'm saying. That he sort of has a feeling that it's all about him, even though I've never said a word about anything. And we started working on the final version um, in in the studio, and that was really tough because he was always sitting there with this with the other sound engineer uh outside and i was trying to live the emotions <laughs> and at the same time I was trying to hide them so it was difficult but that's what I think made you tremble that, like the lamb of god exactly and then that's what made the whole recording more um emotional <laughs> and it's a bit nervous sounding which i think works well for the song and that's wonderful. Let's play that right now.
to the top fire away miss emka um i think the one which is our current biggest hit if i may i think mm, many people got to know us just because of this track is called no gold especially because we did uh, a surprising video <laughs> for that i think we can call it surprising where i get rid of my waist long hair and Chris is very gently shaving me mm-hmm. to a 0.5. <laughs> yeah, so you almost looked like me at that point, believe it or not. <laughs> yes, that's true. So, um, I remember watching that video going, that's strangely erotic. Didn't know how to... Yes, yeah, so uh, it's, um, it, it actually landed on Pornhub. It did? <laughs> yes, it did. That's our first video that... It, Landed on Pornhub. I, I just thought um, your uh, hit me baby one more time would have been up there. Um. Uh, no, it's, it's surprisingly wasn't, but this <laughs> one was because I think I think shaving uh, uh, is sort of like a fetish really? thing, and and like plus two thousand people really liked it, really enjoyed it, had a happy ending probably. Well, out on <laughs> uh, out on Pornhub. Yeah. Whoa, two thousand streams on Pornhub. A video. Of well, like it had two ta- two thousand likes and two thousand something likes on on Pornhub but it's still fairly new there I'm not sure when it got uploaded but like it's still (laughs) fairly new but did you put it there or somebody else put it there no 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 I just I just found it because I tend to like search for for Black Night Cabaret just kind of um, sometimes I found find articles that I haven't come across so I try to post everything to our social media Mm -hmm. so I try to kind of watch um, um, the media about us 
And when the other day I was Googling Austin, <laughs> it just came up and I was like, wow, okay, we really made it with this one. So, so, so you don't normally I mean, serve, so in a way. You don't normally serve Pornhub, is that what you're saying? Mm, no, I'm not saying that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not saying that at all. So, um, uh, I, 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 what are your, your future plans other than gigs and whatnot? Because uh, we're coming up on an hour here. Let's talk about yeah. uh, the future and what might or might not happen. Um, that One of the convos you and I had earlier, we just talked about our, our taste in music and bands that we both like and like, you know, Peter Gabriel and all that came up. But you and I went like really deep into stuff that, <laughs> that nobody else, like, you know, you really got where I was coming from with a lot of that. And that was a lot of fun. And I hope that, uh, you know, in this discussion, more people dive into the Black Nail Cabaret catalog. But uh, what are your plans? What's coming down the line? Well, we're hoping that, you know, the things will get back to normal. But um, we just had a chat with Chris um, just today about this, that what if things don't go back to normal? We have to be prepared, you know, and we have to figure out ways to use this time uh, and uh, and to make the best out of it. So we're really thinking that we should probably stream more because I think that was a huge hit um, in May, the um, the stream show that we did to introduce our new album. Mm -hmm. I think many people tuned in, even the ones who didn't know us, and that was a huge surprise for me. Um, I think we really um, got out there with that one. I think we should really continue that. Um, so I think online presence, more online presence is, is what we can do in order not to disappear. Uh, and I think most bands should do that if they want to keep it up, you know. And it's it's not just a PR thing. It's really it's really more deeper. It's more, more like connecting with your audience and keep that connection and work on that connection. Otherwise, you're going to lose it and um, you're just not going to exist at the end. Um, so this is what we will try to work on. Um, and most importantly, we are shooting two music videos next weekend. So I'm excited about that, and we will see how they're going to turn out, and hopefully we can share them soon in the next couple of months uh, before the end of this year. So those are indefinitely in the pipeline, and we are going to probably work on a new project, still Black Nick Hebrae, but slightly different lineup, and that is going to be a stream, and hopefully as well as a DVD. Okay. That is a new thing, and I'm just gonna leave it there. Um, okay. I'm not gonna say much about it because it's still like there's a lot of planning and at least half a year of preparation, so that is a lot of work. Um, but but that's um, we already started working on it last year, but then it stopped, and now we're going to start working on it again. So there is going to be something really exciting musically. Well, that is terrific. I am happy for all of that. It's great to talk to you. Jeez, it's uh, I mean, great to talk to you too. We, we haven't. I mean, we, we talked on, on online all the time, but I haven't chatted with you like this for. Jeez, it's been about what six months, I guess. So yeah. Um, no, 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 not that long. I, we talked after the movie came out for a little bit. Anyway. Yes. So from there, everybody, uh, I'm going to close out with no gold, and uh, awesome. we hope that everyone enjoys so uh, take care and 
be good to each other and let music do awesome in your lives. And share the love. Share the love. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to the Black Nail Cabaret segment of the show. 
talk to you all next week. Special yes, thanks to uh, Global Music Radio and John Farmer, and also special thanks to Shriekback for the theme song and the title. Have a good week, everybody.